You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I was fighting through a yawn so hard on that. (laughs) Yeah, won that battle. That's how I start the day. Win one battle. I already won two. I got out of bed and I uh, fought off a yawn. Am I a man or what? Speaking of, and I promise that wasn't an intentional setup, but I just remembered how disappointed I was for not highlighting this yesterday. The only real interesting thing that even happened yesterday, or, uh, at the Super Bowl was probably this little number. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man! That might need to be saved forever. I don't know. That is just one of the all-time absolute greats right there. I always say I'm terrible with knowing people's names and whatnot, like who's who. I don't know if I'll ever forget Kevin Harlan. Couldn't have told you who he was prior to the Super Bowl, other than, you know, I know his name name and I know he's one of those voices, but I don't know who's who, outside of Romo, who's starting to really annoy me, and Aikman, who's always annoyed me. But I got one guy that I do like. That's probably the first time since Madden. Madden and Summerall, and it's all been downhill until Kevin Harlan. You can just feel all of the, I don't know, I don't know what you call it, know-it-all fans or whatever just how dare you not know who Kevin Harlan is? he's a he's a legend because I like football not the people that talk about football I couldn't care less I'll turn on Telemundo and listen to them talk about it I don't care by the way have you ever listened I, I'm trying to remember what it was but I went back I think and watched like highlight footage and the announcers were so bad like these are like these great moments and the worst part about the whole video was just these people trying to sound excited and they just couldn't do it these amazing plays and it's like eh, touchdown to the five, the forward, and a touchdown by Sipitipidoo. That's that's it? That's all you got? That's the whole thing right there, huh? Okay. You can't even fake going nuts? I don't know. I just I feel like that should be, like, the biggest part of your job. Because isn't the whole thing you got one guy that's, like, the stat nerd, the other guy that's, like, the hype guy? If the hype guy can't, like, match where the fans are at, you just get a new hype guy. And why is it only in America we can't get excited about stuff? I've listened to, I I remember I used to, back in the day, pirate the football games because I, you know, wasn't going to pay for it. And so I'd stream, but the only streams you could find usually were overseas. So there was like Sky Sports over in the UK. That was pretty cool. I actually really liked the, the commentary that they had. But occasionally you'd watch like a French broadcast or whatever. They were always super jacked up. No idea what they're saying, but they're screaming and jumping around. You know, if you get a Mexican broadcast, they're going to go nuts. Anywhere south of the border, Europe, they're going crazy. Everybody just has a good time. But we got these great cultural icons here in America that are cultural icons because they've been doing it for a long time. Um, Just not very well, but that's all right. I'll deal with it. 
listen to their garbage takes about uh, officiating calls and, oh, yeah, I definitely saw that call there. No, you didn't. No, you didn't, because it didn't happen. Shut it. You never knew I even liked football, would you? It is annoying how desperate they are, seemingly, to just make us all hate football. Like, we're trying to like it, and you just keep making it dumber every year. Stop doing that. Stop. This is very simple. Football is like food. A lot of food analogies. I don't want it to be pretty. I don't want it to be cultural. I want it to be gluttonous. I don't care what it looks like. I want it to taste good, and I want there to be a lot of it. Y'all are just trying too hard. Just stop. Makes me nuts. The thing I always wondered about, too, and and maybe this isn't the case because... You know, I got my son that I got super jacked up about football, so maybe it'll just continue on, but worries me about, like, the next generation. We're all hooked, so they can just keep ruining this product, and we're just we're just going to stay right in that lane. Like, yeah, this all sucks, but I can't stop. Younger people? Why do they have to start liking football? I don't know. Just need psychotic parents to uh, turn their kids into psychotic football fans, and then it'll live on forever. Anyways, how in the world do we get here? Oh, yeah. Take off your pants and whatnot. I mean, pull up your pants. Got some uh, Patreon thank yous again. Might be some overlap, but that's all right. You just get two thank yous. It's all good. Thank you to Mark Strickland, uh, Tanuki, and Greg. My phone wanted to chime in also and say thank you. But thank you all very much for your support. That is greatly appreciated. How many patrons do we have now? Should set like a patron goal or something. I like goals. I don't know why. I'll just It makes life more exciting. I just crossed the 3,700 mark on YouTube, so 4,000 is the next logical goal. I could say 3,800, but it's moving at a pace now where that's, you know, if that doesn't happen by the end of the week, I failed miserably. Man, I am just, I am all over the place. Let's let's really try to rein this in here. Thank you all to the patrons. This feels like a Saturday when I wake up at 9, where I just have all the time in the world, and my brain is fresh, and just... Um, anyways... There were some people that I left off yesterday. I did a little bit more searching around and uh, researching and whatnot. Some other names to look at for a linebacker. This is a continuation from yesterday, and I've got a little bit more information about these people. Now, most of them are not expected to hit free agency, um, but again, still worth talking about because who knows. One other person that is a consideration, and I actually forgot about this because I had mocked it a couple times because I don't know the exact situation, but a core of this defense, one of the biggest cores for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is Levante David, 31 years old and currently a free agent pending getting re-signed, which is expected to happen. But again, who knows? I think the biggest reason that it's expected is because they want to try to hold this together as much as is possible. They know they're going to be losing the defensive line. If they let a lot of the D-line go and Levante David, they are just in massive trouble. It's probably not going to be a massive long-term deal, but, you know, it's a thing. Now, in terms of could this guy fill the role of what the Packers need going forward, I don't think there's really any question. He's been one of the best linebackers over the last, uh, let's see, four years or so. An absolute stud. I mean, he's he, the only reason I say four years is for whatever reason 2015-2016 wasn't great. But just a complete stud. He's always been a great coverage linebacker usually pretty solid against the run. And it's it's kind of upsetting because everybody loves to talk about Devin White. Devin White is a stud. Devin White is the reason. Devin White, Devin White, Devin White. Because he was an early first-round pick, he's very athletic, and everybody loves the guy. Now, again, you can take PFF with a grain of salt or whatever you want, um, but, again, he's given up more yards through the air than anybody, anybody at the linebacker position. He gave up almost 1,000 yards. Four touchdowns, 19 missed tackles. 
His grade in 2019 was a 51.9. In 2020, it went down to a 48. He has a 38.3 run defense grade and a 49.6 coverage grade. The only grade he really graded out really high at was pass rush, uh, 81.8. Again, if you don't like that, that's fine. You're allowed to say Devin White is a stud, but it better be based on you watching his tape. I'm talking about snap to snap, play to play, game to game. Not because you've seen 16 different highlights or you've watched some Tampa Bay games and I've seen him make some great tackles. That's great. He plays 74 snaps in that last in the Super Bowl game. You saw six tackles. Cool. He had 11 tackles in that game. I'm sure you saw he was flying all over the place. He had a lot of tackles. You know who else had a lot of tackles? Blake Martinez. I don't care about tackles. He gave up 95 yards in that game. Levante David is the stud, the guy that nobody wants to talk about because we're so busy talking about Devin White and the defensive line and Tom Brady. And Levante David, he only had five tackles in that game. He's a loser. He doesn't ever have any pressures. He had eight pressures all year. So we don't see any of the cool, flashy stuff. I'm telling you, dude is good. Anyways, he's a free agent. The biggest problem with Levante David, if he does hit the open market, which is surprising, but this is based on two different sources, he's expected to hit about 13 to $14 million. Now, the benefit of all this, not really that we're going to end up getting him. One way or another, even if he hits free agency, we can't really afford him. The benefit in my eyes is that if Tampa Bay really wants to keep him as the core of this team, which they shouldn't have to if you already have Devin White, just draft somebody else. What's the big deal? Devin White's the guy. 13 to 14 million hurts anybody. That's way too much to be paying a linebacker. That's going to impact other people that you're not going to be able to sign because you're spending $14 million on a 31, 32-year-old linebacker. So I'm all for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers resigning him. After that, you got Matt Milano. Matt Milano is only 25, going on 26 years old. Again, fits that prototype, six foot, 223 pounds, so he's a smaller guy. Um, he is he is everything I hate about these types of linebackers, but is coveted by the NFL. He's always been terrible at stopping the run. Fantastic cover guy. Not necessarily this past year, but he was battling a ton of injuries. But in 2018, 2019, he graded out extremely high as a cover guy in uh, 2018. Again, remember, Devin White gave up like 1,000 yards. In 2018, Matt Milano gave up 285. In 2019, 348. In 2018, it was 285 yards given up and two touchdowns. He had three interceptions and four pass breakups, 67 passer rating when targeted. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. That's assuming the Buffalo Bills allow him to walk, which, again, is not necessarily expected. They've got a smash-mouth linebacker and a coverage linebacker in Matt Milano, so that's kind of the thing. There's, I don't really see a reason why he would walk, but he is, again, another free agent. After that, you got longtime Seattle linebacker K.J. Wright, who is 31 years old. K.J. Wright is uh, I mean, just a longtime stud in, in Seattle. He, he never really was the most elite out of that entire group, you know, the whole Legion of Boom and all that, 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 that dominant defense, but he was a part of it, no question about it. And he's never really been terrible. He's always been pretty good. And even at uh, 30, 31 years old, he's showing he can still do it because he had uh, his best year since 2015 in 2020. PFF gave him nearly an 80 coverage grade. He is getting up in age, uh, similar to Levante David, but he should come a little bit um, a little bit of a discount, I guess, although still expensive. PFF thinks he'll go for about $6 million over the cap, says about $10 million. So again, I, I don't think it's... The biggest reason I think something like this could happen is just based on the idea that I don't know that we can 
run this defense without having this linebacker. And again, because we don't know for sure that we can end up drafting one, it might make sense for just a year to sign one of these guys. Even if you draft one, you know, you sign one of these guys and then you go into the draft and you hope you find the right guy. Then you kind of train him up with this free agent. And hopefully we can move on after that. But who knows? Other than that, though, it's very anti-Green Bay Packers to go out and get a 30-something-year-old person for a lot of money, especially at the linebacker position. It's just it's hard to believe. After that, you got Jayon Brown for the Tennessee Titans. They again, expected to say stay, but who knows? Uh, 26, almost 26 years old. Again, fits the mold. Six foot, 226. Doesn't provide much as a run defender, but he's solid in coverage. Didn't play a full year, but we're talking 328 yards allowed, three touchdowns, had one pick and five pass breakups. Not really elite, but you're not going to find a lot of elite. I don't know, man. It's hard to find just dominant linebackers. It really is. You got Darius Leonard for Indianapolis and maybe a couple others like Levante David, but Otherwise, you're kind of looking at guys like this. You got one guy that can cover really well. You got another guy that can play the run, and that's that's kind of how you handle that business. Plus, a lot of these guys and and the Devin Whites, I, I think they're very good. You know, if you got the speed, and I think I talked about this before, you kind of take away part of the playbook, right? With with Tampa Bay trying to run around the defense, you can't do it. There's too much speed, and I think that's another element guys like Jayon Brown and whatnot bring. Although he's a four seven guy, but whatever. But I think that the big discrepancy is, again, we see the highlights of these guys who are really fast sprinting to the edge and bringing people down, and we say that's why he's an elite linebacker. The problem is we're disregarding, first of all, all the yards given up in coverage because usually we don't even see who's trailing in coverage, especially when it's somebody just coming streaking across the middle of the field. Like We don't think to blame, hey, where was Devin White on that? But also when somebody has a big run up the middle. We don't usually rewind the tape and look at how everybody was blocked up and say, hey, Devin White can't shed blocks. Not trying to pick on Devin White necessarily. I'm just putting a name to it. I think in general that happens a lot. We see the highlights. We don't see the lowlights. But I'm also saying that it's just because they're generally not very good at stopping the run doesn't mean they don't bring something to the defense that's important. And again, being able to take that away makes him critically important. Same with Roquan, right? He might really struggle at what happens most of the time, but we're condensing that playbook massively because you just can't outrun the guy. And that is, to be fair, probably something that PFF can't account for is how many things are getting taken out of a playbook because these linebackers are there. Even just manipulating them by having guys do things out of the backfield, you, you might not even be able to do it, right? Whereas if you have a team with slower linebackers, you got somebody coming across the formation and just leaks out of the backfield and catches a pass and goes running. But if you're going up against the Chicago Bears and you see Roquan just beelining in that direction, you're thinking, that's not going anywhere. I better look somewhere else. Can't find anybody incomplete. Technically, the play broke down because Roquan is really fast and the quarterback's like, I'm no dummy. This ain't going to work. My tight end isn't going to be able to beat him. That's a loss of yards. So, anyways. Um, as far as Jayon Brown, there's a massive discrepancy in terms of what the expected value is going to be. PFF thinks he could be an $11 million linebacker. In other words, kind of similar to what a lot of these guys are, 10-plus. Over the cap's got him at about $4 million. So, I don't really know what he's going to command. But again, expected to stay. Um... The last two, Anthony Walker is a 25-year-old linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, not super great at football, so I wouldn't be very excited about it. However, again, he kind of fits the mold. 6'1", 242, runs a 4.65, so he's got some speed from you know a linebacker standpoint. I think the biggest benefit here is that he's probably going to come cheap. Again, not for sure because, again, there was a massive discrepancy. PFF didn't have a valuation on him over the cap, says $4 million, similar to Jayon Brown. And so really, if this were somebody that we picked up, it's not based on prior 
performance. It's based on, um, you know, they used them a certain way that didn't really work. We're going to use them a different way that we think can work. It's, it's very similar to our defensive coordinator situation. We're going to look at it. I'm going to cringe and say, oh, boy, and then hopefully it kind of works out better than it has in the past. Finally is Eric Wilson with the uh, Minnesota Vikings, which as soon as I saw that name, I thought, why is this guy even on the list? There's no way they're getting rid of a replacement linebacker when they've got um, a bunch of old linebackers that are going to be going bye-bye. But as somebody put it, a a Minnesota Vikings person, the biggest issue is that they've got two very high-priced linebackers. And the question is, are they going to actually move on from Anthony Barr? If they do then Eric Wilson obviously stays. The question is, though, are they going to move on from Anthony Barr? And his thought was absolutely not. And the idea that they're going to pay three linebackers a ton of money, especially when this guy really isn't going to be playing very much, is unlikely. So in other words, it's entirely possible that they release basically the guy they drafted to be the replacement, Eric Wilson, which would be staggering to me, but apparently that's not impossible. Here's what he had to say about it. Wilson is the type of player and person the Vikings prioritize keeping long-term, but can they give a third substantial contract at linebacker, especially as defenses mostly play three cornerbacks and two linebackers in today's NFL? Perhaps if they move on from Anthony Barr, but right now I don't see that happening. And yes, Eric Wilson fits the prototype. Six foot one, 230 pounds, ran a 4.53. We also have a little bit of insights with the guy, not only because he's in the division, but we have our... Uh, We have Jerry Gray, who was a defensive coach for the Minnesota Vikings. He didn't necessarily excel in terms of his his grades, but again, better in coverage than against the run. More than adequate speed. 26 years old was the age that, um, you know, when we went on that free agent hiring spree, that was kind of the sweet spot. Adrian Amos was 26. Zadarius was 26. Preston was 26. I think Turner was in and around 26. It's right at that area where you can offer a three- or four-year contract until they're about 30 and then make a decision at that point. The question is, how much is he going to command? He played a 1,000 snaps. He played a lot. He only gave up 360 yards through the air. He did give up two touchdowns, but had three interceptions and three pass breakups, 78.9 passer rating when targeted. He kind of fits the mold. I don't think he's an elite linebacker, but again, I think a lot of it just comes down to function. I really think a lot of this is we just need somebody that can do the job adequately. In other words... And, and I'm, I'm speaking a little out of turn here, but as I've been you know, talking to Coach Hahn and I've been watching a, every video I can find about Tampa 2, it sounds like a lot of it is, as the linebacker, if somebody tries to threaten the middle of the field, you run with them. Your job literally is to be able to run with them so that the quarterback sees what we're trying to attack and says, nope, it's not there. Can you just turn and run? I know that sounds overly simplistic, but and there's going to be more to it than that. I'm sure you can get attacked and manipulated in different ways, but at a very basic level, if we're in what appears to be a two-safety look, and their thought is we're going to send three guys, split the safeties, and then send somebody right up the middle of the field, and he's going to be open, can you be the guy that turns and runs and keeps up with them so that that pass just isn't there? Because for a lot of the linebackers, and I'm guessing a decent amount that we have on our team, I don't know that they can. I mean, maybe with a tight end, but can they do it with a wide receiver? Again, Eric Wilson ran a 4.53. Kamal Martin ran a 4.82. I don't know that he can just turn and run. In other words, if he's the guy that's supposed to turn and run with somebody coming up the middle of the field, he might still be open, and then what's the point of what we're doing? You say, well, Chris Barnes is fast. He ran a 4.79. Not really. Oren Burks is the one guy on this team that's even close to that level of speed. He ran a 4.59. 
Oren Burks is that guy, but the problem is Oren Burks has just been so terrible. Now, again, maybe our new defensive coordinator comes in, gives him a different uh, bunch of responsibilities, and this just fits what he does better. I don't know. But in terms of who on our team can actually be that guy, I think Oren Burks is really the only one that kind of fits the mold of all the guys that we've been talking about. 6'3", 233, runs a 4.59. There you go. That's your guy. Problem is, it's Oren Burks. And again, I don't want to overly simplify it and say all you have to do is turn and run. But at the same time, I don't also want to say that we can't run this defense unless we have an elite linebacker. I think there's a bare minimum of what we need, and all I'm saying is I don't know if we have it. Or Ty Summers. Ty Summers could be that guy. But again, he also was really, really bad at football. He's actually a four five one. He's really, really fast. But again, I just I don't like the idea that we can run it so long as we use Oren Burks or Ty Summers as our middle linebacker. Yikes. No offense, but yikes. So anyways, again, Eric Wilson, I think, could be a fantastic option, but he may be very, very expensive if they even let him go. But again, the other interesting thing about this is just monitoring the Vikings. What are they going to do? Because they're kind of in a lose-lose-lose situation. The, the smart thing to do is to keep and groom Eric Wilson because he is there to be the replacement. He's 26 years old. You let Barr walk. The problem is they love Barr. They feel like they need Barr. And if they let him go, he's a critical part of the defense. They just lost Barr. That's great. He's gone. Bye. If they let Wilson go, that's even better because Barr's going to be there for, what, one or two more years? And then you lost him and you lose his backup. That's insane. Or, option three, they pay all three and just completely blow up the cap, which would be insane. I mean, they're, they're a team similar to us that is trying to find ways to save money. Can you imagine paying $10 million to two of your linebackers? That's $20 million in two linebackers. Granted, it's not all going to be in this first year, but still, that's insane. So it's kind of just to kick your feet up and see what they decide to do, and then if they let somebody go, maybe we look at them. If not, either way, haha. But again, the, the the absolute obvious thing to do here is let Barr walk and pay Wilson. I mean, Barr is only 29, I guess, but still, I mean, it just it just seems weird. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 
Um, I got a bunch of questions, and they're all scattered all over the place, so I apologize if I missed your question. But um, I want to start on Patreon because I always forget to go to Patreon. Uh, This is from a few days ago. Luke says, with Aaron Jones playing like a, uh, let's see, not good football player in NFC Championship games, does that bring his value down a bit? He says, if he leaves, I predict he signs with the Broncos. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, it it, kind of comes down to, you know, every time we look at at Aaron Jones and just say that he can't be replaced, you kind of do sort of look at critical situations and say, did he pull us out out of the mud? And the answer is no. That's not to say there haven't been some games that we probably won on the back of Aaron Jones, but there's games we won on the back of Jamal. The one time we let A.J. Dillon run an actual normal amount of snaps, he carried that the team. He dominated the one game we let him play. So, I mean, for a million reasons. I mean, if we want to tack on he didn't rise to the occasion at that time, sure. Unfortunately, if we cut everybody that doesn't rise to the occasion in NFC Championship games, we don't have a football team left. But yeah, I mean, it just, again, what are the, what are the reasons? And I don't mean to, to dog him, but, you know, it, it's, you couple it with you don't pay running backs. You couple it with we already have running backs. You couple it with we just drafted a running back, his replacement. You couple it with the absolute mess we're in cap-wise. I just, f- yeah, for a million reasons, we just cannot keep him. That's it. I, it's not even close in my mind. Will we? Maybe. Do I want him as a player to leave? No. Do I think he needs to? Yes. Uh, Garrett wants to know about Dylan Moses. He says, I believe he can be the linebacker that you're talking about. I think that's possible. I, I've been very anti-Dylan Moses for a while, but um, he, here's essentially why. First of all, Dylan Moses was seen as a consensus, obvious, you know, first-round linebacker, you know, best one in the in the draft, I mean, whatever. This was a long time ago, probably at the start of the year. He was the guy. The problem is he played in 2020 and was just putrid, awful, terrible. And since then, he has fallen out of the first round, well into the second round, to the point where I think if we drafted him, it's possible that we get him at the back of the second round. Now, that's up to interpretation, I suppose. I mean, everybody in the draft community seems to agree because they've dropped him massively down their boards. PFF doesn't seem super impressed. If you look at his grades from 2017, 18, uh, and then 20, because he was out in in 2019, and and, uh, to be fair... Garrett does address that and says, I think he took a step back this year, mainly due to his ACL issue from 2019, which, you know, obviously if that's the case, then there's something there. But it it would be a little surprising to have a guy miss all of 2019 and then fail to play well in the entirety of 2020, at least to the point where you kind of wonder, okay, is he ever going to get back to normal? I will say, though, his coverage ability, if we're just looking at his grades, really started to take off at the end of the year. So first of all, 2017, he had a 78 overall grade, 2018, 67, 2020, 56. So that is just a straight downward slope. If we look at his coverage, though, just to kind of play along with this idea that maybe it took him a while to get back to whatever, at the start of the year, 55, 54, 41, 58, 71, 58, 48, 60. So one game in the 70s, mostly 50s. Starting in week 14, 73, 65, 71, 66, 65. Statistically also, he really didn't do all that bad. 27 of 41 for 272 yards allowed, one touchdown, had one interception, one pass breakup, 82.6 he, uh, passer rating when targeted. He had 60 tackles, 17 assists, and 8 missed tackles. He did and always has graded out very well as a tackler. Has always been a great run defender, except in 2020. Coverage, he's only graded out well once, and that was in 2017. Now, 2017, if, if we believe that we can get him back to the gold standard, because I'll tell you what, physically speaking, this is 100% the guy. 
He is six foot three, two hundred and forty pounds, and apparently ran a four four six. Remember, four fives is really fast for a linebacker. This dude, and, and at the time he was six three, two thirty five, ran a four four six. So I don't know exactly what year that was. He may have added a little bit more weight. And again, the question is, what can he do now after the ACL injury and all these other things? But um, yeah, I mean, th- this guy has the physical attributes to be that level of linebacker. The, the issue just comes down to the level of play. Again, Oren Burks has what you need. Doesn't mean he can play the position very well. So really, that's just that. That's a question for Goot. You know, he has all the tools you need, but can he play? And we and 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 we did see it in 2017. But that's where the personnel people have to break down what exactly is going wrong. Is it a scheme issue? Is it an injury that we expect could get better? What happened? How do we get him back to 2017? Can we get him back to 2017? Because if we can, this is 100% the guy. But again, that that's that's going to come down to their evaluation, and if they believe that they can use him, uh, then yeah, 100%. This is this is definitely the guy. And look, it, it, to be completely honest, it, it wouldn't really surprise me all that much because we've seen them take guys that are physically gifted that maybe don't quite have the production, but they believe they can get it. You know, Rashawn Gary. Granted, Rashawn Gary graded out great in college via PFF, but his stats were never what you wanted. You know, he had four sacks in 2018. Seven the year before that, two the year before that. Now, his pressures were fairly high, but again, the flashy stats never really stood out to anybody, so nobody really liked him. But the Packers saw that and said, I don't really care. We can get the stats up. We just want this guy to uh, come play for us because he's a physical freak. Maybe similar to Darnell Savage, I don't know, but kind of not really, too, because the last two years at Maryland, he graded out just through the roof. I don't know. Again, that's a question for them. I'm not even going to try to dabble in that assessment, but uh, just depending on how they answer that question, yes, he can be that guy. Do I expect him to be? Not really, but we'll see. It might just come down to one of those things, is he even on the list at all? Depending on the answers to those questions, they may just take him off the list. I don't know. Had a couple other questions I want to get to quickly. Um, we've got uh, Brian, B-R-O-H Rick, Bro Rick, on Twitter asked me about the need at middle linebacker. What about Clay Matthews on a cheap deal? He was really good at inside linebacker that one year, maybe very cost effective. I know the heart wants him back, but, and I've, I've addressed this, I think, even last year. That was a long time ago, man. I think that was, uh, what, 2015? And to be fair, he graded out at a 62.6. I mean, he got a ton of uh, pressures and sacks and everything from the interior, which was awesome. He, he did fine, but the guy's almost 35 years old. He ran a 4.62 in 2009. That was 12 years ago. If he runs a 4.8, I'd be shocked. He didn't even play football last year. I think we got to let this one go. All right, it's kind of up there with the Jordy Nelson. Well, what if we brought back Jordy? Jo- Jordy isn't no. So I mean, I get it, but no, I don't. I don't think he's the guy. And then finally, I've had a few people reach out and ask about Patrick Peterson. I'm really not on that train either. I think Patrick Peterson is one of those guys that people are really excited about because he's a big name. And that's not to say he's a bad football player. It just is It's to say that he's overinflated in everybody's mind. You know, in our mind, when you think Patrick Peterson, you think, man, top 10 corner, one of the best in the game. The problem is there seems to be a clear decline if we just look at his last three years uh, with Arizona. 82.5, This is the lowest, um, the lowest he's graded since his rookie year in 2011. The guy's 31 years old. He's probably going to command a ton of money because he's Patrick Peterson. We don't have any money. 
I think he's a little overrated in terms of, again, he's going to get paid uh, based on his name. And, you know, he's got a lot going on upstairs. I'm sure he's still got some left in the tank if he can go to the right team. And I think he could possibly excel here because of what I said in terms of um, this scheme kind of protecting the corners, making things really simple on them. Right? It's a lot harder for some players. It's a lot easier for others. And it just happens to be a lot easier for the corners. The problem is, for that exact reason, you don't need to pay a bunch of money for corners. That's exactly the point. You know, when the, when the Bears went out and got Prince of Mukamura in 2017 to kind of add to their group, uh, they paid him $7 bucks. He was a, not bad, you know, I'm not saying you go get bad corners and they're going to be great, but he was a decent corner for his entire career. You know, mediocre to kind of good. Never dominant, ever. He became very, very good. And they ended up paying him more money after that. But I just feel like Patrick Peterson is the wrong end of that spectrum. And as much as, again, he could probably come here and be really, really good, I just think we would pay him too much. So, and and, and for the that reason, I'm kind of, I used to say cornerback was our biggest need and linebacker was down a little bit. But based on the way that this scheme sounds, I think linebacker has gone up and I think corner has gone down a little bit. Not because we don't need the bodies, but because I don't know that we necessarily need elite level corners right now. It doesn't have to be first-round pick or bust. You know, back in the day when we had to trade up and get Jair because it's really hard to find guys that can play press man. Those kinds of corners are so rare that can actually lock you down in man coverage. It's just it's a very rare thing to find, and if you can find them, they're just invaluable. It's why Jair is going to get massively paid. In the scheme that we have now, it's going to be more of a zone thing. It's not as important. Of course, corner is always important. It's just not as important, especially when you already have your one lockdown guy. And again, I don't want to get too black and white as though this is how it always goes, but out of the, if if what Coach is saying that most teams play some variant of Tampa 2, but the Packers are going to be, basically their base is going to be Tampa 2. That's what they start with. And with that, generally, you, your corners just kind of control the flat. You know, you just kind of hang out and make sure nobody comes in your area, and if you do, they try to break it up, and uh, if they catch it, you tackle them. That compared to follow this guy everywhere he goes down the field, I mean, there's a massive difference in the amount of talent you need to be able to do that. And again, of course, there's going to be some guys, sometimes you're going to be playing man. Sometimes you're going to be have you know, you're going to do a little bit of everything. But what is primarily required of you changes. And and whether, you know, first of all, do we have that guy on this team? Maybe Kevin King stays. You know, his value has, has basically plummeted because of his production. He could probably get a, a smaller offer because even if he says, forget you, I'm not taking that little amount of money, where is he going to go? Who's going to pay Kevin King $12 million a year? Maybe somebody sees the up up end potential, but he's never put it on the field. I mean, he had a bunch of picks, you know, two years ago. Okay, whatever. Still didn't grade out very. I mean, he gave up a billion yards. I don't know. I mean, and it might even be worse for Kevin King. I don't know. Because one of the biggest attributes he has is, you know, trailing guys, you know, running a go route. Big, tall, fast guy. I don't know. But it could also could be Josh Jackson could be the guy. could be Kadar Holman. Who knows? But I just think it, it slides down the... the pecking order a little bit more, at least insofar as Gutekunst doesn't feel massive pressure to have to get a really top-end corner in the first round, second round, whatever. Maybe they take a swing in the third or fourth round at a guy that they think can just execute what's going to be asked of him. And he'll come in and compete with Jackson and whoever else. But the the, the bigger point here is I don't think we need to go out and get a high-priced free agent cornerback. I would have considered it a little more if Petten were sticking around, although the answer would still be no, but it, at the very least, possibly paying a corner. It wouldn't be Patrick Peterson, but could be somebody. But anyways, I unfortunately have to get going. I do have one other thing. Just smacked into my mic here. Uh, walk the mock that I've been talking about for some time that allows you to 
do mock drafts with groups of people, i.e. with me. I had Tim, who is the creator of the site, reach out and tell me that he is going to start doing um, a promo code for me because I'm obviously driving lots of people to his site. If you have not signed up yet, you can enter code PACKERNET, and it has to be all caps. That's the way you set it up. It has to be all caps, PACKERNET, and you're going to get 20% off. Now, he explained it to me that it has to be new people, so if you've already signed up with a promo code, it probably isn't going to work. But, I mean, I'm sure you're smart enough to figure out how to make that work in your favor. Because I'm assuming if you're doing a trial, you were planning on either keeping it and paying for it or canceling it or canceling it. And, you know, maybe you have more than one email. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you're a smart person. You'll figure it out. But if you're already signed up, the code won't work. If you are not signed up, use promo code PACKERNET, all caps, you're going to get 20% off. Again, I'm pushing this because I really want that site flooded with people so that when I say we're doing a mock draft, all 32 teams fill up relatively quickly, and I don't have to sit here and beg for a week to try to fill that thing up. So go check it out, walkthemock.com. They do have a free promo. You can try it out. It's free Feb, probably all caps too. I wasn't telling anyone that before, but probably was why some people said it wasn't working. Just go check that out. And again, if you were planning on paying for it and haven't yet, promo code PACKERNET, all caps, you get 20% off. So anyways, I gots to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.